Welcome to the Noglate Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today, yes, two podcasts in two days, in large part due to the stereo recording. It was actually quite interesting. I cut from the previous podcast, but by background with regards to listening to an old Ape Reality was the fact that a fellow Las Vegas podcaster is also friends with Jerry McCambridge from the Rushkov article and a Las Vegas show Ape Reality about two and a half years ago. And listening back to that Ape Reality, it reminded me how much I enjoyed recording in stereo. And also, editing yesterday, I realised how much easier it is to edit in stereo. So I think Ape Reality is going to be returning to a stereo format. And I'm sorry for folks who have to download the extra bandwidth, but it's just so much easier to record and put out a stereo Ape Reality. And I do include other speech ticks and various other things, so it will not be the usual sterilised or should I say the past 18 months worth of sterilised ape realities, I think I'm going to be recording in stereo into the future. And having said that as well, it will also make the Australia Trip podcasts a lot easier to record and put out as well, because they will be recorded in stereo, obviously, because I will have multiple participants talking. So sorry for the purists that would like mono only, and I know some of the mid-range iPods also play with stereo a little bit, but from my perspective... If it's easier to edit, it's going to be easier to put out, which means there are going to be more ape realities coming. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about the mythology associated with Noble Ape. And mythology has been relatively critical to the Noble Ape development because it has acted as, in some regard, like stereo recording an ape reality, some mechanism in order to motivate me to produce more Noble Ape-related stuff. And the mythology associated with Noble Ape comes from a number of sources. Initially, and this is why I'm going to be recording folks when I'm back in Australia, it was from the rich social environment that I existed in Australia and the folks that came through, the folks that I communicated with, and this kind of constant narrative discussion associated with the Noble Ape development, both leading up to a point of, and probably two to three years after I started developing Noble Ape. And this generated quite a bit of audio, um, related drawings, a lot of notebooks, which I'm looking at currently, and obviously the original manuals. And unfortunately, the original manuals really out of these this group of things is the only thing that persists to this day. However, all the other components were relatively critical as well in terms of framing the Noble Ape development. I've talked a little bit to Bruce Damer about this because certainly when I come to redevelop certain sections of Noble Ape, the audio associated with the periods that I was developing when I'm reworking is always really quite critical. It gives a kind of emotional connection, basically, to the development. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about the mythology, and here I've talked previously about The Mushroom Boy, I've talked previously about Escape from Nirvana, the game associated with the noble apes being pitted against commando-style folk from some military somewhere, and these components are, are two parts of the Noble Ape development, but the background mythology associated with the Noble Apes has really been a driving force. Now, I'm not sure if I've talked about this in a previous Ape Reality, but my first connection with the conjunction of the term Noble and Ape actually existed well prior to the Noble Ape development, well, actually probably about a year to 18 months prior. And I think at the time it had related to my development of the Ick Polymorphic Compiler. And somewhere through there was the idea that, and I'm sorry for the, the neighbour's dogs, unfortunately they want to compete with me here. But somewhere through that was the idea that the people that used the Ick Polymorphic Compiler were noble apes. It was a way of kind of describing what the users were. So this conjunction actually existed prior to Noble Ape, but through the development, my own sense of what the Noble Apes looked like and how they interacted with 
you know, humanoid-like creatures has uh, developed a bit as well. I mean, the original noble apes were small monkey-like creatures, and that really came from the time that I was in Malaysia. I think my time around monkeys, and here I'm talking about observing them either in trees, or I remember, for example, going up into Mount Penang, I think that's what it was called, but the, the mountain that uh, Penang is uh, surrounded by. I mean, Penang's an island, but it has a, a hill, a big hill, or a mountain on it, and I remember going up on, I guess, some kind of lift-like thing, and seeing uh, monkeys sitting on rocks, looking like they were basically old men playing checkers. So, the original noble apes were monkey-like creatures, probably four foot at most tall, whatever that is, or one and a quarter meters, what have you. So, they were of that size, and really their cranial capacity was similar to a creature of that size. I think developing the original cognitive simulation, it was very much based on getting to uh, that level of cognition. And I think the next stage happened at the shed in about 97, uh, when I had a girlfriend at the time who was a graphic designer, and she created the uh, Noble Ape logo and also the related sketches of the Noble Apes, where they were probably about seven or eight feet tall. They were considerably larger, they had considerably longer limbs, tails, what have you, and I think in that setting the noble apes then became superhuman in intelligence, in terms of my own thinking about it, and this is really where uh, Escape from Nirvana comes from, because the noble apes in Escape from Nirvana are very much superhuman intelligent. They are, in some regard, really studying humans as, you know, a scientist may study a lab rat, and I think this was really inspirational for me at the time because it made me think about intelligence in terms of not being limited with regards to human intelligence, but actually creating something that was superhuman, certainly past Kurzweil et al. So the noble apes in this setting became a lot larger, a lot more intelligent, and the other important thing about the noble apes was that they had interpreted the human flaw of lying, or at least um, saying things that were not necessarily true in order to self-advantage. There are a number of flaws in human psychology that I started exploring through this time as a way of using, I guess, Noble Ape as some kind of analytical tool to my own questions and concerns with regards to these flaws in humanity. So this came through this period of time as well. And then I moved to the Bay Area and the Noble Apes took on a considerably more abstract form. And certainly the contemporary Noble Apes in some regard have followed on that narrative, although there was the period of the Stockholm rewrite where really I returned to the idea of the, the Noble Apes being kind of little humans, four-foot humans, uh, which, you know, had fur and various other things, which ultimately the larger Noble Apes had as well. But somewhere through this, the Noble Apes really lost a body in my own mind. I think of the Noble Apes now, I guess as one would communicate with someone remotely. I was reflecting on this today because Gerald de Jong may have the opportunity to meet with Bruce Damer in London. And aside from uh, Bruce Damer and John McCormack, who I've interviewed on one previous Bioter interview, I've met no one else in the artificial life community. So these people exist in some regard in a very abstract way, and I think this movement, my own thinking with regards to how I interact with these, you know, virtual digital friends, let us say, people that I have not met in real life, but have interacted with solely via email, via podcast, via these kind of things. This is the realm that the Noble Apes moved into. And in some regard, and this is the way that I've described Noble Ape, particularly to um, a fundamentalist Christian friend of mine, Noble Ape really has followed my own narrative. You know, originally the apes were stuck on an island, then the apes had to escape from the island. Once they'd escaped from the island, they existed in a kind of 
surreal universe, they lost their bodily forms and existed far more electronically than they had previously, certainly with regards to the atomization, these kind of things. I, I feel that, uh, you know, this is what the noble apes have become. They've become purely virtual creatures. Now, obviously, users need some degree of embodiment, and I think this is a, a paradox in some regard, but ultimately it's just defined on the reality that I've, you know, found the noble ape development in. It's a lot easier for it to exist in terms of abstract software than exist in terms of graphic assets and, you know, OpenGL updates and these kind of things. So... As the noble apes don't currently exist in a physical form, they don't currently exist in a simulated physical form either, although components of their simulated physical form come back through the noble ape simulation. So in this regard, it all goes full circle. There are kind of extremes in terms of my own vision with regards to the, the metaphor of the noble ape versus the actual noble ape, and certainly the, the input, the external input in terms of, uh, for example, having a girlfriend who was a graphic designer who was able to draw the noble apes, these kind of things are, are very powerful, and certainly I haven't really talked very much in this podcast with regards to the, the narrative inputs of my uh, friends and folks around me associated with what the noble apes looked like, but certainly... This was a large part of the early development. I think if you look at the original manuals, there's a lot of points where I reference other people that I'm having discussions with about certain aspects of the noble apes. And this really rings true with regards to the initial development. It's going to be very interesting going back to Australia, although of the people that I'm going to see, only a small number have any primary connection with the noble ape development. A few of them will ask instigatory questions, similar to my fundamentalist Christian friend who I went and um, attended his wedding. I was one of his best men, or one of the, the groomsmen in his wedding. Um, so that occurred sometime last year, middle of last year. So I'm very rarely um, interrogated with regards to these components of the noble ape development, and typically interrogated with regards to the far larger and broader components. But, you know, this is going to be something that's evolving in the future. I wanted to put it out in an ape reality just to give some historical narrative to this discussion because it may come up in the Australia trip. And I'd also promised in a previous podcast that I would actually put this kind of stuff out there, give something to the ape reality community to think about. So this is Tom Barley, Las Vegas, Nevada, signing out. Tom at NobleApe.com if you'd like to get in contact. I'm going to probably change the conclusion because... Um, thank you for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast. Seems a little ominous, but I will say that now. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.